Hello, and welcome to the ICC Podcast Intelligence Career Conversations. I'm Jim Donnelly, Donnelly, and our special guest today is Katie Hopkins of Altana Federal and co-founder of Iron Butterfly Media and Command Purpose Foundation. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Well, great. That's great. Well, let's jump right in. Um, I'll start off with the first question for you, Katie, is what inspired you to work in the national in national security? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm not from inside the Beltway. I'm a Southwest baby, so I grew up in Arizona um, and went to school in New York City. And so I think for me, I, I didn't go intending to, I didn't even know that foreign policy, political science, I didn't even know these things existed. I went to school to be a doctor because that's what I knew. And so I think for me, my freshman year, there was a presidential election. It was totally electric. I had never experienced anything like that. And I think part of the draw for me for political science, foreign policy, international relations was that it was just completely different from what I had come from. And the scale of the problems people were trying to solve were literally the whole world. Um, and so that was just totally fascinating to me. And you know the decisions and kind of trade-offs that I saw people making seemed totally impossible to me. And so I think it was kind of this draw to these fascinating global scale problems um, that seemed to, to really matter um, for, for really the whole world. Um, but also I think, you know, and I always joke with my parents about this, they both come from the business world. And I think uh, it was kind of a, a draw for me to do something that was totally unlike what my parents did, um, but have kind of, I think, ventured back into that business world myself. So, um, you know, have ended up with kind of a fusion of, of what they gave me and, and what was new. Great, no, that's great. How about, what do you think, Katie, uh, the intelligence community will look like, say in 10 to 20 years? I, so I have no idea. <laughs> this question's a little bit above my pay grade uh, for right now, but I, you know, I think I'll answer just what I hope it looks like, uh, just based on my experience working inside of government, outside of government. I think, you know, government really no longer has a monopoly on mission, right? What, what I hear a lot in government spaces is that people are there for the mission, and that's absolutely true. Uh, but I think there have been a lot of companies in organizations that have popped up and that people now can support that are also very mission-centric and move the mission forward. So I, I hope that the intelligence community of, you know, in 10 years or 20 years is a little bit more integrated, a little bit more diverse, um, kind of welcomes perspectives from outside of the government uh, because these problems cannot just be solved by government anymore. Um, it requires kind of a, a community and family of people that that is much bigger than just public sector, but involves private sector, nonprofit, academia, um, you know, all of the above. No, that's great insight, Katie. Um, how about what professional experience or even non-professional experiences led to your current position? Yeah, definitely. So right now I'm working at a startup technology company called Altana. So we're a post-Series B company building map of global supply chain, global business networks, serving customers across both the public and private sector. So, you know, the longer version of the story is I started my career in the consulting world at a company called Renaissance Strategic Advisors, 
where I gained some of that kind of commercial industry experience and skill sets. Uh, and then moved into government from there at Defense Intelligence Agency, where I gained some of the mission context. So, you know, how government actually moves the mission forward. So I spent a lot of time um, on the analytical side, on kind of economic problem sets, sanctions, illicit finance missions that I think serve me well kind of in my in my current role. But, you know, the shorter version of the story is just that I followed people who I trusted and who I knew I could learn from. Um, and was kind of just drawn to the opportunity to really build something um, for, for a relatively new company in the federal space. Um, and then I also have a couple side hustles that I'm, that I'm really proud of, uh, which includes the Command Purpose Foundation, as you mentioned, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that supports military veteran women throughout kind of life transitions. Um, we're, we're different from some other nonprofits in this space because I think, you know, a lot of a lot of times we focus on change, which is very external, right? Like my external conditions are changing. I'm moving jobs, I'm transitioning out of the military, I'm moving cities, right? Um, whereas transition is a little bit more mysterious. It's like an internal reorientation to the change, which can happen before, during, and after the change actually takes place, right? So we produce programming that really helps women just re-tether to themselves, their purpose, their value, their community. Um, and then my other side hustle, which I'm very proud of, is, is Iron Butterfly, um, which uh, you might have heard of. We also have a podcast, uh, Iron Butterfly Podcast. Um, so that was born out of the amazing women of the IC, AWIC, uh, now led by the wonderful Maggie Hackney. Um, we, we basically created a grassroots community of IC women uh, that's now, you know, 2,000 members probably across Great. government nonprofit. Um, during COVID, we had to see us all in-person programming. So we transitioned to virtual events. That's kind of how the podcast was born. Um, after we had interviewed about 50 women, uh, my co-founder and I, Megan, uh, Megan Jaffer and I sat down, tried to figure out what was next. Um, we decided on the crazy idea of, of producing and directing our own documentary about women in the intelligence community. So we we created a company, Iron Butterfly Media, and have started producing that documentary, uh, which is really exciting. Um, and also kind of in parallel, co-founded Iron Butterfly Foundation, um, which just is, our mission is to amplify the voices of, of women and minorities uh, with a focus on kind of these creative and educational programs. So um, so I, I don't know, really know the skill sets. Uh, I just know that um, I found some really amazing people uh, and, um, didn't mention my, my co-founder work, Man Purpose Foundation, was Erin Helbling, a military veteran herself. Um, these amazing friends and, and mentors and partners to kind of co-found these these new ventures, which has been really exciting. Oh, that's very, uh, very extremely impressive, uh, Katie. Um, when you think about some of the major differences between working in the intel community, in, in the private sector, what what are one or two that come to mind uh, to you? Yeah, I, I would say first and foremost, uh, we like to talk about the differences between the two, but there's extraordinarily talented and just very good people on both sides. Um, I would say some of the differences, I think just organizationally, uh, the main one that comes to mind is the orientation of some of these government agencies is just relatively risk averse, right? And so the byproduct of that is I think a lot of control and decision-making authority is really sucked up 
in the organizations to the highest level. Uh, whereas, you know, in my experience, and I've only really ever worked with small companies, so this could be my my own bias, but it's kind of the opposite. You know, we're pushing down authority, autonomy, um, decision making, really to the lowest levels out of necessity because that's the way you survive. Um, the other thing I think the key difference is just timelines and scale, right? So in the government doing something in, in two years or three years is actually like pretty quick. Um, but for, for a private company or, or a small company, like the ones I've worked for, uh, two years is, is kind of a lifetime and, and can be existential. Um, so I think there's just kind of different, different incentives, different timelines. Um, I've had different experiences on both sides, but, but both, you know, both sides have wonderful people. Great. No, great, great answer. Um, what's one thing you wish someone had told you when you were five or 10 years into your uh, career? I mean, you're juggling a lot right now. Maybe time <laughs> management? Yeah, <laughs> time management. That's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, I think the only way that I'm able to do so much is is through time management. Um, but I, I would say the thing that I w wish people had told me is to stop looking at other people's careers like as a model for my own um there's a lot of shoulds that i think you hear really early on like oh you should do this or you should take this path or like don't do that and a lot of that is just grounded in others experiences and like built by the majority for the majority and i'm not i'm not in the majority in these organizations um and i think it's not only okay to be a little bit different but um, but that's, you know, your superpower. And so I think when I was able to lean into a couple of those things, uh, I was able to create these, these new organizations that are totally different than anything I would have anticipated based on what people told me my career should look like, but which have been just incredibly enriching and rewarding. Um, so that's what I wish people had told me. Well, good. Well, using that as a nice segue. Uh, if you were talking to someone right now who's in college or just starting their career and wants to pursue a career in IC, you know, what kind of what advice would you give them? Maybe based off of your own experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, my answer by this is is definitely inspired by my experience with the Command Purpose Foundation and and my my co-founder um, Aaron Helbling. We would always kind of go. Uh, out for drinks and we used to call it our second work day where we would just like be together for so long after work that it would basically constitute a second work day and just you know would talk about all the world's problems and and what we kind of what I've taken away from some of that and an extension of of command purpose in our programming that I will ask sometimes to younger uh, folks if I'm if I'm mentoring or just talking about career is I ask, like, if you were going to start a company or organization, like, what would it be and why? And I think, especially for folks who are really interested in, like, serving government missions, we think about things that already exist. But when you're creating, like, the seed of that is yourself. So I think it abstracts it a little bit and helps people think about, like, oh, wow, like, if I was going to create something, what's really important to me? Like, what really matters to me? What am I really good at? And even if that's not what you end up doing, right? It just gives, I think, a stronger foundation for like what you actually want to do and like the career that you actually want to build for yourself and really the kind of purpose that that is the the thread that runs through uh, 
what you want to do with your career. So that's typically where we start uh, and then can kind of build from there. With that, what type of recommendations would you provide, say, uh, targeting, we'll think for this example, you students, um, about areas especially that they should focus on if they want to enter the intelligence uh, air sector? Yeah, I would not tell them to focus on anything other than what they love to do, honestly. Uh, and I think the best mentors I've had have not told me, you should do this, you should do that, but have asked me, like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you love to do? Um, like when you're, you know, scrolling on your phone through articles, like, what do you click on? Like, what do you like reading about? Like, what do you like learning about? And that should be what we build your career from. Um, so I think a lot when I was first starting out, I felt pressure to kind of do things that weren't really true to who I was because I thought they might make me a more attractive candidate uh, to some of these agencies. Um, you know, I was a liberal arts major, uh, and I think I did okay. So, um, or so far at least. Uh, so, so yeah, I would just say, you know, to stay true to themselves and whatever they feel like kind of serves them best. But no, that's good. How about if you were to, to flip it for people, you know, five to 10 years in their experience who want to get into, are not in the Intel sector right now, but want to get into it. Uh, would the advice be similar? Would it be different? Yeah, I think I think it's still similar. I think uh, kind of reorienting our careers with ourselves at the center is is always relevant, whether we're just starting out five to 10 years in, even 20, 30 years in uh, retiring from government service, I think always uh, kind of asking ourselves like what what is really unique to us and what really drives us and what we care about is like always always the most relevant question okay no and, and lots of times it is the, going back to earlier to to, to the mission uh mm -hmm. they're focused on mission and, and giving back um another question one of my favorite questions is uh, what's the best career advice you've received in your career so thus far yeah i think um I think the best career advice that I've ever received, and it's kind of it's kind of really basic, but like I I had a a mentor who basically took me through an exercise of trying to figure out what I really cared about. It's like, do you care about technology? Do you care about international partnerships? Do you care about people? Do you care about? And sometimes it's a combination of all of those things, but I think just the the question versus like the you know projection of someone else's bias or experience onto you is is always the most helpful um so the i mean the worst advice is is probably just that right it's oh don't work for this agency because they have they they did this to me or they have this reputation versus like really orienting around the person versus someone else's bias or experience um it just i think has has kept more my mind more open i think to different possibilities have you had examples where folks gave you poor advice that you didn't uh, follow such as you know don't look at that agency or so forth yeah absolutely all the time i would say 90 percent of the advice is that um, really yeah absolutely so absolutely how do you go about deciphering is this something you want to follow or or, or pursue uh looking at that agency or agencies well, I think, you know, when you talk to enough people, typically, you know, at some point you get everybody telling you not to go work for the other guy. And then you just realize that, yeah. you know, 
all of them have pros and cons. Um, but I think deciphering is, is always super hard. Um, it's, but I think like really looking at it, actually some of the best advice I got is, you know, when you're, when you're interviewing with these places, you should have a really clear answer to why, like why here, right? Because a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, um, just as an example, right? This is true for many of us, like September 11th had a really significant impact on me in wanting to serve this community, right? Um, that's certainly true, but there are many, many, many organizations and companies and government agencies that could allow you to fulfill that purpose. Um, what, intelligence is different than national security, right? So why intelligence, right? Or all of these intelligence agencies are different. So why this agency, right? And I think unless your answer rings true to that specific role or that specific agency, you're probably not looking in the right places, right? So I think really refining that why and how my why aligns with the organization's why um, was really, really helpful advice. Good. No, that, that's great insight, Katie. Um, how about what skills have been most beneficial to you thus far in your career? Yeah, this, when I saw this question on the list, I was, I, I don't know, skills is always weird because I don't really feel like I have that many skills. Um, I The first thing that came to mind was my just trusted relationships. Like that is the most important thing that I have. Um, and I've been really lucky that I've been able to fall into communities like AWIC, for example, which was founded by Megan Jaffer and Tish Long and Ellen McCarthy and these uh, these kind of INSA household names, right? Um, who recognized the need for a community of women. Um, a lot of my trusted relationships have come um, from, from those organizations. Um, and then I think I've also learned from some of my kind of co-founder partner friends like like Megan Jaffer and, and like Aaron Hobling, how to create things. Um, and I never really, I think, saw myself that way. Um, but having friends, I think, like that, who have kind of showed me how to create um, and like how, how rewarding and, and beautiful of a process that is, um, has, has been a skill, I think, that I've developed over time through those relationships, but that's been really rewarding. Very good. No, that's great. How about um, what habits do you keep that you believe positively affect or affected uh, your career, Katie? Yeah, I think I mentioned this before, but I do actually think that having these second workday friends is super important. Um, and typically, I think the trick is like transitioning those to like your first workday friends. So, you know, as an example, I first uh, co-founded Command Purpose Foundation with Erin, and now I work with her at Altana. She leads our federal practice, right? Um, so, I think the habit of just kind of cultivating these relationships has been has been really helpful. I also think just I've learned I think more from trying to start things than from you know, more traditional education, like training classes or, or you know, I don't have a master's degree, right? Um, I think like the act of doing has been just a really helpful, I guess, exercise for me. I don't, so I guess, you know, I would call it maybe a habit. Um, 
but those things I think have have really taught me more than than most I think educational opportunities that that I could have asked for. Okay. How about I mean? So where do you or where where, where or what do you turn to for continuous learning and and skills development, Katie? Yeah, I think it really is. I think it really is the side hustles. Um, like I think the process of building organizations, building companies, you know, writing mission statements, like opening bank accounts, um, like. Uh, the process for us of creating the podcast of of asking people for advice as we've made this documentary um leaning on the expertise of others i think the practice of of creating things has kind of forced me to to ask people for help right and and the best resource that we have is is people in relationships um because people know way more <laughs> about their trade than than anyone else um so that's honestly been the source of most of my most of my learning. Okay, and um, I think we touched on a couple of them. Just going over your resume of um, of things that you're involved in, positions you're involved in. But what career accomplishments are you most proud of, and why? Yeah, I think I think you know from my time in government, I, I I think what I'm most proud of just in general is just the diversity of experience and the diversity of challenges that I've I've got, gotten to experience. I mean, in, in government, um, in many ways, I think the experience being a intelligence community analyst was really what I had imagined it to be, right? I mean, you're writing things that are that are crossing people's desks who are making real decisions with real stakes um, and interfacing with those people about what you what you know and what you don't know um, which is really hard because uh, you don't know a lot more than you know um, so some of those experiences have been really rewarding um, and then i think uh you know the the opportunity always to build something from a blank canvas and to see yep. there was nothing and and now there's something and I had a part in kind of bringing something that was imagined like into existence um, is also really rewarding and I've gotten the chance to do that I think a few times now um, in you know with Altana uh, with with Iron Butterfly with Command Purpose with AWIC um, and so all of those have been really enriching. Great. Um, we've talked, you mentioned a couple times, um, you know, how strong mentor um, has been in your, um, in, in your experience. Uh, could you just give me a specific, um, I guess, example, how they, how they affected your role where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll highlight one person in particular who has just played an absolutely instrumental role for me. Uh, her name is Jacqueline Tame. Um, she's one of the best mentors I've ever had. She's probably the best mentor that anybody's ever had. Um, and she's really where I, one of the people that I learned from of like how to actually be a mentor and just like how to ask the right questions. Um, there have been several times that I've brought opportunities to her and said, you know, I think this might be a good opportunity because of X, Y, Z. And, and she, <laughs> through her always very thoughtful and very graceful questions has kind of helped me see that they probably weren't the right fit for me without ever actually telling me that, right? Okay. Uh, and kind of leading me to those conclusions on my own. Um, 
so I, I would say mentors like that who who just turn you inward, um, those have been the most helpful for me. Great. No, that's that's awesome. Um, next question we touched about a little bit about, I believe, when we talked about, you know, looking at the IC 10 to 20 years uh, out. Um, but I'll ask, you know, maybe if you have another perspective, um, what do you see as the biggest workforce challenges facing the IC now? <laughs> yeah. Um, Again, I would say probably above my pay grade, but um, but this is a really great, really great question. And again, I can really only answer this from my own my own limited experience. But I would say some of the challenges that I had, like as an individual in the IC from a from a workforce perspective, were, you know, I think, and this is true, I think, of a lot of large organizations. Like there's this pressure to fit people into lanes or into boxes, right? But at the same time, we want a diverse workforce, and like those things don't fit together, right? And I think if you ask any applicant, like, what was your experience like with USA Jobs, or like, do you think these application portals are a good judge of like the value that someone could add to an organization? I think pretty unanimously, the answer would be no. Um, so I think that's like a really, that's a big challenge. The other challenge, which I think is related but different is just, you know, the timelines and of, of these application processes of getting pe good people in the door of these clearance processes. Um, just the clearance, I think, process in general, right, is, is, is honestly, in my opinion, one of the biggest threats to national security right now. And that's maybe, a topic for another podcast, right? Um, but I think then while pe when people are get in the door, I think, you know, and, and we talked about this a little bit before, um, I think the fact that that these organizations by nature of necessity are a little risk averse does at some point uh, kind of stunt the development and education of individuals, right? To actually make their own decisions. Right. Um, and some and, and, you know, at a basic level, some risk is necessary, like and just to give a specific example, like five by collaboration. Right. That was one of my favorite things to do in the intelligence community. But it's really hard. Uh, it's because it's risky. It's it's risky to share intelligence with foreign partners, right, even close partners. But that is so necessary um, to to us, actually, to, to U.S. national security. Right. Um, so. I think those are just some of the things that come to mind of just challenges that I had um, when I was working in government in the intelligence community. How about, and not to put you on the uh, spot, but um, you know, anything change you'd like to see implemented to help attract a talented, diverse pipeline in the community? <laughs> Maybe we can save that one for next time. Um, yeah, a big, big question. Um, big question. I know that's a, of course one of the reasons why INSA is so important in this in this industry to really initiate conversations with experts and practitioners about how we can how we can change some of those things across both public and private sector. Great. Well, I sincerely appreciate you participating in today's podcast, Katie, and grateful for your willingness to share your very valuable experience and insights uh, with us. Totally. Uh, more than happy to do it. And again, just thank you so much for, for asking me um, and uh, for kind of asking me for my perspective. So this was this was really fun and I really appreciate the opportunity. All our pleasure. We enjoyed it very much. And that will uh, conclude today's ICC podcast. Thank you very much for uh, listening.